Our scripture reading today is taken from a very familiar passage for many of us, John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. And our message is entitled, Why Do We Need Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. For whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Why do we need Jesus? Why is Jesus important to any of us? Why is it that we say that we have to believe in this man? Why is it that we have to follow him and become like him? For us as Christians, it is a question that we ask every single day. And even for those who do not purport to follow him, it's a question they will ask you every single day. Why do you follow him? And so why should I follow him? Why do you worship him? And so why should I worship him? In a sense, we are blessed here in the United States of America that everyone, in a sense, has met Jesus. Everyone has heard of his name. Everyone has sort of seen his people in action, his followers. And many of us still, if you're my age, well, not many of you are, have actually had to read the Bible when you were in high school or in college as a part of English literature. Everyone has been blessed here in the States to meet some form of Jesus Christ. And many of you are here today because you met Jesus in many different ways. And yet God has revealed to you the way that he wants you to see him and understand him. For the way that he wants you to see him and understand him is the way that we receive the true Jesus and the true salvation. There are many people in history who love the teachings of Jesus. You can go to Thomas Jefferson. You can go to Gandhi. You can go to many leaders of this today's world who quote scripture and say, I love this Jesus who calls the people to sacrifice. I love this Jesus who calls people to love one another. 
I love this Jesus who calls people to come to him and become one together. Many of us have met Jesus in different ways. Some of you, growing up in church, your Jesus was the Jesus of your parents. And growing up in your household, perhaps the Jesus of your parents was simply that nice sort of emergency switch. When things got wrong, when things got difficult, you pulled the switch. And you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, it's a five-alarm fire. Help us. We need your help now. For some of us, Jesus, again, was that nice moral teacher. We would read scripture, we would scan it, and we would read only the parts that we enjoyed. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. That's, that's good. For most of us, we would skip all the Old Testament because the God of war, the God of destruction, you know, let's, let's put that aside. But the God who loves, the God who forgives, the God who calls for unity, this moral Jesus, this liberal Jesus, this, this sort of good-feeling Jesus is a Jesus that many of us has been exposed to. For some of us, it's, it's the Jesus who is God, to be worshipped. But simply a God of many other gods. We live a polyistic, practically, a pol- pragmatically, a pol- we have a polyistic lifestyle. We believe God and Jesus to, 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 uh, um, to support us and to love us in our spiritual lives, however you may define that. Perhaps your spiritual life is simply your, your emotional well-being. Perhaps your spiritual life is simply your, your ticket to heaven, whatever it may be. But the other gods that we worship are the gods of finance who can bless us with, with our, our lives here. The God of relationships who will, who will bless us with, 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 a, with a spouse or with good friends. But we've all met some form of Jesus. And our friends who do not know know the God who we know have all met some sort of Jesus. And the question for us is, when we we see these Jesuses all around, we, we, we want to ask the question, will the real Jesus stand up? Because this can't all be true, can it? Are these simply just different faces of Jesus? Or is there a Jesus that scripture reveals that it's the true Jesus that we have to know. And if we don't know this Jesus, then we're simply projecting our own heart's desire of what we want God to be. There is a 19th century German philosopher named Ludwig Feuerbach. And he said this about Christianity. He said, the simply who the God of Christianity is simply the projection of Western people's desires and, and desires and wants of what they want their life to be like. And so we project upon God. We want our God to be loving, forgiving, and, and all that wonderful stuff. 
But we know that if we read Scripture, the God of Scripture is nothing like you and me. For us, the question is, will the real Jesus stand up? Who is this Jesus that we have to meet? Who is this Jesus that we have to encounter in order for us to know him? Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The Jesus that has been revealed in Scripture is a Jesus that divides. Let me say that again. The Jesus that has been revealed in Scripture is a Jesus that gives grace and salvation, but also also the same Jesus who will condemn as well. The Jesus that we encounter is not a projection of sort of what we as Western, uh, westernized human beings want, the inclusiveness of all people. But the Jesus that's revealed in Scripture is the Jesus that loves and the Jesus that con- condemns. And so there needs to be something more foundational or fundamental in our encounter of understanding who God is. See, the real Jesus understands that there's a real problem. The real Jesus understands that it's the real hard wiring that is wrong with you and me. It says here in Scripture that those who do not believe in Jesus stand condemned already. I ask you, do we not know that Scripture teaches us that there will be a judgment day? And on that judgment day, those who do not believe in Christ himself will be destined for eternal punishment forever and ever. And at this eternal punishment, as Jesus liked to say, it's like gnashing of teeth. That we'll be thirsty, but never be quenched. Be hungry, but never be satisfied. That we will be miserable and shunned from God forever and ever. Now, now here's here's the just the, 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 the gist of all this. There are some of you out there right now who have no fear of that.
There are some of you out there who have no fear of judgment, no fear of eternal condemnation. You go to a funeral, someone passes away, you're saddened at their departure, and your thoughts stop there. But what if I were to tell you where they were right now? What they were experiencing right now? What if you could see? The eternal punishment and pain they were going through. And what if I were to tell you that all of us are destined to that? if we don't believe in Jesus. When I was in college, I had this real vivid dream, and it, it still haunts me, and I've shared this with, with many of you. Um, it was a dream where I was, uh, I was up in heaven, or the pearly gates, just like on TV, okay, because that's the image that's stuck in my head. So the pearly gates, right? And there's, there's a, um, I guess it was St. Peter, I, uh, I guess that's the St. Peter at the gates, and, and he's welcoming in, welcoming me in. And I, I see behind me this long line of people, one by one. And he's welcoming me in, and I'm so happy I go in. And then about 12 people later, or something like that, as I was waiting for other people to come, I saw my friend at the gates, and he was denied. And all I could see was his face. And he looked at me sharply said to me, this is my dream, he said to me, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And I woke up in a sweat. You see, the gospel is not just about our lives here and making us feel better. <laughs> The gospel is not simply about how do we live this, this great life for the Lord here today. It's a part of it. But a key component of really knowing the Lord Jesus well is to understand our end. I mean, having proper fear of what happens without Christ and proper joy of what happens with him. You know, in Romans chapter 9, Paul was ruminating over this whole idea of predestination of those who will be saved and those who will be punished. And he realized that the nation of Israel, not everyone who is Israel is Israel. In other words, not everyone who is Israel will be saved. And you realize there are some people that he's known that will be punished forever. Was he glib about it? Oh, well. Was he like, well, I guess it really doesn't matter as long as I live well here and 
do what the Lord wants? No. Paul says, I wish that I could take their place. I wish I could give up my salvation. Give it to them. Let me be punished. And let them be forever with Christ. But I can't do that. It doesn't work that way. But Paul's deepness and understanding of the end goal of where people are, this is why Jesus came. For if we can change our eternal destination, then the rest of our lives will change. If we simply try to figure out how we change our moral life here without understanding that we stand in judgment before a holy God, our danger is we become moral people without really sharing the message to all that Jesus came to save you from eternal damnation. And Jesus came to save you from all that it entails. And yes, that entails your, the, 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 the moral failures of your life here. That entails the brokenness of this life. But ultimately, it's going to be our eternal condemnation in our lives. My plead with you is that you would see this Jesus. A Jesus of judgment and a Jesus of mercy. And that you would see this Jesus of judgment at times that you may be able to truly understand the grace and the love that he has for you. But how does God do this? You know, as I was saying before, there were times, you know, when my wife and I were, were like doing errands around the house or whatnot, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, I get lost in something, my wife is trying to explain something that needs to get done or explain something we need to do for the kids, and, and she says, are you listening? And I, and I go, oh, yeah, what, what? And then she proceeds to lovingly explain to me, you know, what, what she was saying. You might have seen different Jesuses as you've grown up in your lives. You may even still see different Jesuses right now, fashioning your own image. But the way that God shows himself is he reveals himself. He shouts at you. He screams at you. He wakes you up from your senses. He uses the word of God. And those words pierce our hearts for us to understand who he is and the love that he has for us. For God so loved the world that, he, that he, oh, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And he shouts that to us. And we pray, God, awaken our hearts. No, in fact, the scripture teaches, give us new hearts to hear the truth of these words. And allow my worries, allow the things of my life here to fade away, truly, for that moment. That I may get 
a true perspective of what life really is. There are people who confess that they have life and death moments when they're in that, about to get a car accident and they see the, their life flash before their eyes. And as their life flashes before the, their eyes and, and by God's grace they're saved, they, they say, I've turned over a new leaf, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And they start doing X, Y, and Z, but it st- sort of starts to fade away to go back to do their own thing. God's power does not do that. When God reveals himself to you as the God who saves you from eternal damnation, your life is thrown upside down, inside out. Your perspective on everything changes. There is this great narrative and great story that we are in the midst of. And we know the end. Jesus will save. We know the end. There's going to be judgment and there's going to be those who believe in him. That's the end of the story. There is no, there is no other ending. Stop making a different ending. Stop it. <laughs> because if the ending is simply everyone goes to heaven, you're going to live differently. If the ending is simply death doesn't matter, you're going to live differently. But the ending really is that those who do not believe in him are are condemned, and those who believe in him will worship. We will live differently. If, If that's the end goal of everyone's life, if that's the end goal of the church, then our our love, our power, our resources go into, Lord, we need to get your name out there to people. We need people to see the love of God. We need, to, we need to show them the love, the real Jesus, not simply the Jesus who will, who will coddle them, but the Jesus who says to them, listen, whatever your experience in life is, you, you still need to meet the real Jesus. Because if he coddles you and, you're, and, and, and you just want a good life here, when you go to that pearly gates and you're standing before God, they're going to look at you and say, why didn't you introduce me to the real Jesus? Who is this Jesus you introduced me to? It's not the same one. He won't let me in. These are fake. This is a fake Jesus. It changed our perspective of the way we love people. It changes our perspective of how we, how we the words that we use carefully to to convince them of the truth of God's message. But also pragmatically in your life today, in this room, um, as a pastor, well, I should say this way, in this room, all of us have certain knowledge and deeper knowledge of what's going on in each other's lives. There are some things I know about people in this room that no one else knows about. Not in a bad way. And there are some things that some of you know about other people that I don't know about. And if we were to sort of put them all together about the difficulties and the harshness of our lives, okay, there would be a lot. But the problem comes in when? When we believe that this is the whole story. And that the goal of our story is to get to the point where all the suffering is relieved and I have a nice life. If that's the goal of our story, 
that we will act accordingly. One of the things that I that you know I've always prayed about for our church, and this I, I and I'm sharing this with you now is that I, I know that the battle is hard at work and at school. I know that the battle is hard. And I know that you fight to to be faithful to our God. I know that. When we meet together on Sundays, there should be a pull to us, God calling us to worship. I need to come and see our God. I need to worship him. I need to sing songs with brothers and sisters. My rest is in worshiping him. My rest is in singing songs with him. My rest is sharing with one another. I need Jesus. My rest is, show I need scripture. Give me, give me, give me a scripture verse. Please, Pastor Young, give me a scripture verse. This is why, but give me something, because right now nothing is, is sticking. I need something. Instead of people gathering in churches and saying, oh, it's a rough week, let me tell you, and then blah, 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 tell how, how hard their life is, blah, 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 blah. And saying things, you know, I know that Jesus is Lord, but... Why? Because we don't know the end story. We've forgotten the end story. Because whatever happens in this life, I know Jesus has saved me for eternal salvation. And my life is good. I don't need to compare my life to other people. I don't need to want things to other people because I have everything I need hidden in Christ in heaven. And we walk faithfully and we love faithfully as well. Right? Verse 19. This is the judgment. Don't just read John 3.16. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, Christ. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does the wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. For those of us, for those whose hearts have been captured by God, who know their eternal destiny, who knows that all these things around them will will fade away. Our works reveal that. Jesus who loves us and helps us to see our eternal end helps us also, in light of that, to follow him and to bear the good fruit that he desires us to bear. And after our series in 119, uh, we'll be doing a series on forgiveness. I feel like that's a huge need in our church right now, on forgiveness. 
for us as God's people. Do your words really reflect someone who knows that God is coming back? Does your conversations and your actions really reflect works of light or works of darkness? And again, as I said in our, in our vows, none of us are perfect on this. But I hope that your heart, your heart breaks like mine right now, that, my goodness, even my conversation hasn't been as like light and salt for a while. My goodness, even my heart has been prone to complain. And even my heart is prone not to want to read Scripture because I don't want God's Word to expose my heart. But there is no life anywhere else. There is no one that we can run to. We have this joy of receiving the elements today. When you receive these elements, remember the Jesus that you're meeting. The Jesus who saved you from condemnation. The Jesus who has saved you from death. And the Jesus who calls you to be light, to be salt. Don't share with them the Jesus that this world shares with them. Share the real Jesus who has loved us, who is loving us and who will always love us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We ask of you, Lord God, to make your presence known here today. Prick our hearts, Lord God. Please help us not to be comfortable in our sins. Help us not to be comfortable in our works of darkness. But help us, Lord, to, to, to strive to bear works of light. Help us, Lord, to, to go to Scripture and allow Scripture to judge our hearts, Lord, not for condemnation, Lord, but to, but to show us the, the, the salvation, the light that, that you have given to us. Show us what we've been saved from. To show us, Lord, what we can become in you. Help us, Lord God. We need your grace. We need your mercy. So we come here today, Lord, and it's easy for us to come in weakness. That's the easy part. But Lord, have, help us to have the strength by your grace to trust in you in our weakness and to live lives according to you in our weakness, to obey you even when our hearts don't want to obey you. Help us to do what is right even when our hearts want to do what is wrong. And in so doing, Lord, reveal your grace, your mercy, and above all else, your love and presence in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.